Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators. They're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them and they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully, and today we have Jessica Maidenford with us, and we're both from Pennsylvania. So when we first talked, we had some things in common. I'm so excited to have her on. She is an instructor of visual arts and fine arts department leader. And she's also an educator wellness coach with her business, The Journey to Here, which she is hoping to get into full time. Um, and she guides teachers beyond their stress and overwhelm to restore balance. So definitely by the end of our conversation here, we talk about education reform, but really teacher advocacy. We will dive into the work you're doing with teachers. I think it's so important. So thank you, Jessica, for being here. Yeah, thank you, Jackie. I really appreciate that you're having me on today. And it's nice to actually see you like in virtual person. Um, we've only talked on the phone. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this. Me too. Um, my first question I always ask is, what was your inspiration to become a teacher? Oh, man, my inspiration to become a teacher. I have a couple of things coming up for me. Um, I always knew I wanted to stay in school and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to teach, but I knew that school was my my jam and I wanted to be a teacher and I had a few different options and some inspiring teachers who led me to explore what I wanted. Um, at first, I wanted to be a music teacher because I loved the stage, um, but I only had my voice and learning all of those other instruments scared me. <laughs> it was very intimidating. Um, I also loved English but I love the composition and analyzing text, but I didn't really enjoy the stories. <laughs> I, um, I finally decided I wanted to do art because it just felt good all around. Um, and I had some teachers who were my cheerleaders growing up. And whenever I told them about it, it was like, ah, oh, of course, Jessica's going to be an art teacher. That, you know, that makes the most sense. So yeah, it was um, a combination of just knowing that that's what I wanted to do, what I was meant to move on to, but it was definitely paired with emotional safety. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that at the time, but it was my emotional safe place. And I love that teachers were your cheerleaders. I often think that um, teachers really can see something in their students that maybe they don't see in themselves. And so they can say and reaffirm, like, that is totally you. Like, I can see you thriving in that career or whatever the endeavor is. And that kind of, I don't know, being seen by a teacher, 
even more so sometimes than your parents, like it just feels so good. Like I know that I still get that way, even when it's like other teachers that I work with or say like a department chair or an administrator, when they see you doing something and they can recognize it, like it's just that affirmation feels so good. Um, I have some not personal connections with the arts and music, but I understand the music piece. Like I love music. I also wanted to really dive into theater. I cannot really sing. So that was difficult at a big high school because we have big musicals, but um, my music classes and then learning all the instruments, I'm like, this is so hard. And my, my husband now is a musician and he's like, yeah, you have to learn like every instrument. And then you kind of like pick one that you get into, but to be a music teacher, I have a couple friends that went into music education at Westchester University of Pennsylvania. And on like minimum, you were taking 21 credits a semester. It was like a double major, right? It was education and then all the music. And they are certified like K through 12. I'm like, this is, that's a lot. So I do give it up to music educators as well. My dad went to art school and I always saw him as either being like, an art teacher, or history teacher, because he loves history. And that's kind of where I got it from. Um, but yeah, I could see like having the art space, right? Like you're connected with these other areas that are kind of like they're in the arts too and connecting that. It's awesome that came to you. And then you had the teachers reaffirm that. Um, yeah. What were some of your, do you have any stories from your early teaching experiences or anything that kind of stands out from those early days? Oh my goodness. I, um, <laughs> Whenever I went to school to become an art teacher, it was very heavily focused on the studio practices and less on instruction and classroom practices. Mm. So whenever I left um, and got my first job, my first job was at a small rural charter school and I was the only art teacher K to 12. I felt like, okay, I know how to show these kids how to make art, but I felt so, uh, I, I felt like I lacked in classroom management or like just developing effective lessons. Um, and I know I was a new teacher, but I, I decided to go into a master's program right away. Cause I was like, I've got to figure out what I'm doing here. And um, so that definitely helped me. But oh my gosh, I, I would just try things that we had tried in college, like in my sculpture class, we got out plaster and these big buckets, and we did molds of our faces in college. And I thought, my high school students would love this. Oh, so we did. We totally had these huge sculptures of my kids' faces. And I went through, I don't even know how I got approved to just like go through all of this plaster. And it was just all over the classroom and all over my tables. And just, oh my gosh, it was the messiest project. Excuse me, I still have a little bit of a cough. Um, But yeah, it was the mess. Sounds like so much fun. Like if I was in your class and we did that, I don't think I ever did that of my face. I don't know if we, I took a ceramics class, but I don't remember doing anything like that. I would remember that as a student for like the rest of my life. I'm sure your students do. And I think 
I like this um, visual of messiness. Like I think education sometimes is too like tightly wound. Like it's just like this standard, this objective, this do now hit this, 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 this. And I've worked in charter. Mm -hmm. I've worked in middle school where I had really structured lessons and it was like minute, 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 you know, like you had time to everything, especially with like, I remember teaching seventh graders (laughs) and, you know, I could imagine an art or something so hands-on, right? Like you really need that, that structure, but sometimes just making a mess and like just experimenting and exploratory, like, you know, you're thinking like anyone could walk into this class any minute and be like, what is going on? You're like, yeah, but they're learning and they're engaged and they probably left that going. That was so much fun. And I'm so into art and plaster. And, um, that's amazing that you were the only art teacher K through 12. So you had to teach all those levels. And it is true that a lot of people don't understand outside the industry that a lot of what you do is not just the subject matter. I wouldn't even say like 50%. A lot of it is pedagogy and child development. And you need a lot of that background. So I like, when I got my master's, I got a lot more development in psychology and kind of led me to teaching psychology. But I I dived in deeper into how to craft lessons and create environments and do kind of go deeper, you know, um, with yes. what you want to do. And, and especially in history, like more with like Socratic method and discussion and all of that, you know, a bachelor's in education, you, I, I was social studies. So it's like, I had to hit all the social studies subjects. So that was a ton of content. And then I did get a bit of teaching and pedagogy, but you really didn't know what you were doing until you were in student teaching or in the classroom. You really did not know what you were doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I do think there, it would be great to see like in um, undergrad, you know, programs too, that they beef up that, that child development and, and, you know, pedagogy a little bit more because it is hard. Like you can be an expert in a field, but if, you don't know how to relate to kids or you don't know how to create that structure, that environment, that rapport with them, or just how to get them collaborating or talking. It doesn't even matter. Cause like kids get turned off really easily. They don't care if you're an expert at all. Mm-hmm. And so that is so key. I remember we had a teacher at my last school and he was like Mensa, like, you know, brilliant scientist. He lasted like a semester. <laughs> and not to knock all of that but it's like he didn't understand teenagers you know so they didn't care how brilliant you were because you can't convey that brilliance and knowledge to them so that's like you know a lot of times people are like oh they're just you know your subject and you go in and you teach it I'm like no that's like a small small piece of it yes absolutely did they um paint these plaster faces and put them up anywhere like around the wall Ah, uh, I don't know. And they were not just like, you couldn't hang them. You had to display them because okay. we did the front and the back life-size head. <laughs> yeah, that's like, yes, <laughs> that's that's what I did. Did that, were you able to do that in one class period or was that something oh, no. at a point? Okay. Definitely multiple. I, and I, I have since then switched from, I've gone through K to 12 and then I went to middle school and high school as a combination. And now I'm back at the elementary level to six. And 
that is one thing that I really miss, the ability to have really deep projects going on for the kids because um, at the elementary level, there's, I, I feel like there's an expectation of, you know, crank out these projects and they're usually one day projects. And when I went into elementary, I had changed my philosophy of education from a very traditional um, teacher driven approach, like the cookie cutter approach to a choice based. So I run an art studio rather than a traditional art classroom. So what's coming out is not 25 of the same project to put up on the wall. The, the kids are able to take my lesson and decide if they want to use it or pursue their own interest or their own material based on the centers that I have available. The kids often don't, they don't want to display their artwork because they want to take it home. And um, yeah, but I, I do miss running those really big projects because now they could be a class or a, a two class project for the kids, but they're really making those decisions. And yeah, yeah, that's one thing I, I wish I could go back in time and like experience again. But I also really enjoy teaching the way that I'm teaching now. So Yeah, I love this idea of an art studio. And I think like language too, we talk about like how we, you know, can call a kid an artist or a writer, right? Or like we use historian when we're doing research. I even use like detective, right? Like you're finding evidence and you're trying to prove a point. Yes. So I like that. And I'm sure seeing little kids like get into whatever they're creating and get lit up and like they want to show it off is pr probably so fulfilling too because I could just see them yes. getting really really into their art but yeah they're probably like I want to take it home I don't want to leave it in my teacher's classroom <laughs> I know yeah yeah it is it is such a good feeling whenever I overhear conversations like of course I can do this I'm an artist and it's like yeah, that confidence yeah, mm -hmm. that's awesome. Now, I'm sure during the pandemic, it was probably challenging being in the arts department. I mean, I, I know just in our school, we have a wood shop too, and super cool. But it, virtually, it was like, uh, I don't know, go find stuff at your house that you can make with wood, and I'll do yeah. this tutorial and lesson. And it took away the total feeling of what it feels like to be in like a wood shop. Same thing with like the art you know, studios that we have. So um, anything you want to share about teaching uh, during the pandemic, like stories or challenges or aha moments or things you learned? Mm. I decided to transfer from my really nice one classroom, maybe 200 kids a year teaching position at my middle school and high school to elementary the year that we had. And so I went from what I had known, my comfort zone to really, I just needed, I, I knew that I was going through something and I felt like I just need a change of scenery. So I changed my schools. I went from one to three. I went from middle school and high school to elementary and some middle school. I went from 
having my room to teaching on a cart and <laughs> oh my gosh yeah but i was not letting it get me down because i it, i i went from feeling like oh like i just can't take you know some of the apathy that's coming out of my students not all of them but it was just enough for me that i knew i needed a change and I went to feeling like I was a celebrity because walk into the school and the kids saw me, they were like, yes, it's art. It was definitely challenging. We were given directives that we had to sanitize, you know, like everyone was like sanitize everything that was being touched. So just to manage all of those materials, manage the sanitizing of materials on a cart, like new schedules, new names, new faces, it was really, it was a challenge, a challenge. Um, and I was also finishing up a second master's degree at the time. Yes, because <laughs> I was a, an overachiever at the time. Um, yeah, so whenever I finished up that degree, it was like, okay, I think that I'm ready for something else and something different. I, I was still enjoying teaching art, but that was part of the my transformation i think starting to take some some uh you know traction getting some traction yeah a lot of moving parts like so you had three schools were they all near each other did you have to drive between the schools and take your supplies well, with you I, um, no luckily okay. all the schools Yes, I'm moving. Um, I have a school that's less than 10 minutes away. I have a school that's about 25 minutes away and a school that's about 50 minutes. I know it's, yeah, there's a lot of travel and I'm still at those schools. So it's, there's, there's a long commute. For this, the school I was at, I was traveling about 50 minutes a day. Yeah, for the commute. So um, I have cut my time down it changes. So only assigned one school per day it's on a rotation basis. Did they, um, <laughs> this is like the teaching world, right? We do so much for free. Did they give you any kind of reimbursement for gas and mileage? No, no. Oh, <laughs> see, a lot of industries, if like driving was part of it, that would be worked in. <laughs> yes. Wow. Well, I guess it keeps it fresh and it keeps it like something new every day, which is kind of like nice if you feel like you're just in the same space all the time. But I could imagine this so many moving parts in the pandemic. And like, again, I only had to have them sanitized, like wipe down a desk after the period. Pretty much that was it. We didn't do any, you know, in just a regular history class, we didn't do anything with materials. We're like, we're going to do straight on the computer, all online. We didn't even do giving handouts no materials there was no like coloring or anything like drawing on maps or whatnot we're just like it's all virtual because it was just so much easier but like in art you're like we have to use yeah. these materials so it's like yeah, constant yes. sanitation yes um were you virtual yes. my hands were a wreck <laughs> from sanitizing yes. all i the know time. <laughs> probably like breaking out right like all the cuts and everything i remember yes. that from sanitizing yes. were you virtual in the spring 2020 we were virtual um, the weekend of Halloween 2020 and went back in person after the new year. So it was a short amount of time, but I think in the eyes of my district, they really wanted to make sure that 
that time period where family gatherings were, um, wouldn't impact attendance. They made it virtual for that time period. Um, they, they had some supports in place for special ed students who really needed that in-person um, learning and one-on-one -on -one learning. They had some of those kiddos coming into schools, but everyone else was virtual. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I appreciate this, these stories because everyone that I interview is coming from a different place, right? Whether they're in a different country, the lockdowns were different, depending on the subject matter they teach, the grade level. And um, I was talking to someone recently talking about third graders. They're like, that's the grade that really was impacted the most because when everything started, they were finishing kindergarten. I'm like, oh my. And then I'm like, oh my God, we've been in this that long. They're in third grade now. Like to think about the third graders now are the ones that really social and cognitive development through all of this have really felt it because that's such a time period of rapid development and like really like learning to read, learning your numbers, just like all socialization. And then to think they were in kindergarten when this started and now they're in third grade. I'm like, wow, that's just yeah. bonkers to me. So I just, yeah. I know like people will probably gets old, like talking about the pandemic all the time, but I think talking about what's happening and this leads kind of into my last part and what your work you're doing, when we're talking about teachers, you know, potentially leaving the classroom or going into education in like a different way, maybe it's ed tech or something else, becoming a coach. Um, we need to understand that there were obviously a lot of things be before the pandemic, but there, depending on your situation in certain places, there were like these breaking points. Like people were really broken. Like when I started, when I decided to start this podcast, I was in many different online groups, just like getting a vibe of like what was going on. Cause of course I was feeling like very, you know, frustrated and like tired, overwhelmed, burnt out as well. And so I just kind of went to places just to like, we all need sometimes to have vent sessions, right? Like I just, I, I need to be affirmed too, that like what I'm going through, it's not just me being overly sensitive or like, I can't handle it kind of thing. So I was hearing so many just heartbroken stories and not everyone, but like a lot of people. And if they're transitioned out of the classroom, they just were so unhealthy and so again that kind of leads into the work you're doing now I mean like mentally physically unhealthy um the holistic life coach I'm working with now Casey she left the classroom she had like so many different types of health ailments and she basically healed herself not only by you know getting out of the position she was in and she was in like a really toxic environment but she like needed to literally bring balance back into her life and like work on like, again, holistic health. Like how do I work on my mental health and physical health? It's all connected. Um, she's like, it literally was killing me. Like, and I'm not saying that's every school everywhere, but I've heard this same theme so many times. So, you know, we're talking about education reform and ideas to make education better, but specifically in what you do is really advocating for teachers. So do you want to kind of go into how you started this coaching business and what your experience has been like working with educators? Yeah, um, I will try to keep this short because I feel like my story is multifaceted. If there's a, there, like you had said earlier, there's a lot of moving parts to anyone's story. Um, so in 
mine starts way back in 2018. Um, I burned out. I really burned out to the point where I started having panic attacks in school in front of my classes, of my colleagues. Um, and I felt like there was a loss of control. Um, and that's when I started my second master's program because I thought something must be wrong with the way I'm doing things. I've got to fix it. But I also know that I'm not feeling like I'm fully valued here at school. So I'm going to go out and find the people who value me. Um, and at that time, I also took some time off of school to find a therapist, go to my doctor. So I started working with professionals um, to help get me better and um, a nutritionist to the mix because I felt like I, I think that I need to work more on my, my body as well. Um, through all of that, I found that my self-worth was really low and it was just causing me to bleed out into everything. That's really what was going on. But when I came to the point where I knew that I wanted to transition out of the classroom, I still felt stuck. Um, I don't even know how to explain it other than I still felt stuck. Like I, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to explore and see what was out there, but inside there was still something going on because I was still eating lots of sugar. Like I love my chocolate, dark chocolate, but it was too much or I was numbing with wine um, and yelling. Like I was me at all, um, even while I was working with my therapist. And um, through that master's degree, that second master's degree, I knew that I really did want to work with adults in some capacity. I had taken a course that was very inspiring to me called Art Therapy for Art Teachers, and I loved that. In fact, I even thought, I'm going to become an art therapist. And then I started exploring a third master's degree and thought, oh, I, I don't think that I'm in it for another few years for another degree before I can do something different. But it, I think that also lit a fire to help me recognize what was going on with my peers because it was still the pandemic and I was looking around, you know, doing this inner work, but also seeing how everyone else was struggling and thought, you know, there's got to be something that can help these teachers. But I didn't know that I might be holding a solution. <laughs> Um, at that point. So um, during my exploring, I ended up finding a life coaching program. Um, my sister-in-law suggested this one woman to me who was going to be offering a certification for NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And I thought, well, I'm going to hop on the phone with her and see what this is all about because it sounds really interesting. And whenever I talk to her, who is now my mentor and my coach, um, it was like things just fell into place. And I could look back and see how 
things in my past were lining up for this. It was really eye-opening. Entered into this program in the fall of 2021. And at the same time, we had just come off of having COVID in our house, which was a struggle. And then when I came back from my quarantine, the day of my mom passed away, it was um, looking back, that was what I needed in that moment. Um, that sounds really awful. But yeah, I, um, yeah. because my mom passed away, I was raw with emotions. I was starting this coaching program. And when I started the coaching program and had this news to share of grief, it was like, it was like an invitation to talk about things and let go of things that I had been holding on to because my mom was living, because I didn't want to hurt her feelings, want to uncover stuff. I didn't want others to know about things that I had dealt with because I was ashamed. I was like embarrassed. And as a result of my mom passing, things became okay. Whenever we started that program, my mentor, um, her name is Verna Lisa. She um, just allowed us to be coached so that we would know what we were getting into when she was teaching us the strategies. But that was it for me. I, I thought this is like, I really enjoyed this. I was going through a lot of like, I was pulling out stuff that I never would have pulled out and shared with anyone before. Um, yeah, and so that has been a transformational road. And that was like the missing piece. I had spent so many years in therapy and on medication for antidepressants. And whenever I started coaching, she helped me get to the root. And it was like talk therapy showed me why I was feeling the way I was feeling, but I still felt stuck. Like I get rid of all of these stuck feelings and coaching was it for me. So with that in mind, um, I've gone through the, the, the program. I'm now a master NLP uh, practitioner. I've done some intuitive development as well um, and also have received my Reiki level two. I, yeah, I, I have done a lot of inner exploration and inner healing. And I just keep thinking about educators. Many of us are still holding on to things. And you can see that they're holding on to things by the way they interact with others. Their first response is yelling at a student who is 
not doing something or instead of, you know, being calm and understanding, I know that this child, you know, has a rough life and it's, you know, there are so many different things going on in my, in, in this journey and in my mind and what I'm seeing. But um, I told you this was going to be a, a, a long story. I'm sorry. No, I really, I just want to, I just want to say before we continue about the actual work you've been doing in your coaching is that I, I really appreciate how like honest you are and vulnerable and the way you just talked about that was like, you just had so much grace and just eloquent and like calm and you. you can see you're very grounded and centered. And there is this awareness that you have of like, yourself and your journey and to be that honest about the passing of your mother and what that did for you and knowing like the way that might sound and how it hits to certain people might seem really you know different but I totally understand that feeling because when you have feelings whatever if it's family members friends I've gone through that you know recently over the pandemic with friends um but a part of your identity is so buried down and like things you haven't mm -hmm. taken care of and then they bubble to the surface. So you saw this time of passing of your mom and then especially then also going through COVID as it like cracked open, you know, and yes. in a way it saved you. Like it saved you from, you could potentially have gone into that coaching work and maybe it just didn't hit you or like maybe you didn't fully open up the way you did but because of that it cracks something open and that becomes like this whole like literally it just it your life changes from there you like cannot actually go back to where you were before exactly. and I appreciate that and I totally agree with you about looking at teachers and seeing how broken they are I see it all the time and they could put on the smile they can be positive and it's not necessarily every educator, but most people who go into educating education are pretty sensitive people. It's, it's, a, it's a caring profession. Even if you're an expert in a field, even if you teach high school or whatnot, it's a really caring feel, uh, field and you care about every child. So when you're that type of person, things hit you and like stay with you and you are carrying all of that internally and we don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. And I talked about this on an episode of my last season um, with uh, someone who also transitioned out of the classroom, but there are teachers who have gone through trauma in their lives. And because of the age that we're at, especially like we're like the kind of out of the Gen X into early millennial, right? Like 40s. Cause I'm seeing a lot of teachers who are like seeing this now, we didn't have this kind of support system when we were young. So we're carrying trauma our whole life because we didn't talk about mental health. We didn't go to therapy. Like I didn't start going to therapy until almost like 30 and we're then caring and trying to be there for children. And now, especially going through the pandemic and many of them are dealing with trauma. <laughs> so it's a trauma-based system and the band-aids are take a yoga class, right? Or right. here's yes. some right. extra little perks here and here when no one is actually thinking about 
how do you give teachers space and time to really just be able to breathe, you know, because if you keep piling things on, but you, you add a wellness class or a yoga class, all you're doing is adding a band-aid. You're not, you're not fixing anything. Yes. And so I could see a lot more people in education who really want to stay in the classroom, working with someone like you. Um, I think working with a coach can be very helpful. I'm doing that now and I'm kind of in like the middle stages. And so funny that you mentioned like the cracking open, not as dramatic, but it's the holiday season and the holidays can be really stressful. Um, mm -hmm. And we had a session where like, there, there was a lot that like came out too of things that were like kind of buried within me that I felt was more healing and more helpful than the three times that I've, I've been in therapy before. I mean, I felt like I got more out of the, the coaching session. Cause there was also practicality of steps of like, okay, now that we talked about this, here are some things I would like you to do to work on this healing, right. To like, you don't, let it all out in a session and then leave and go, oh yeah, let me go take an antidepressant and then I'm, I'm healed. Yeah. And that's really the Western yeah. world and Western medicine. And I think like we are starting to see our society come to holistic, you know, healing and like Reiki. I've done that for the first time this past year and like really looking at things that are connecting the mind, body, and soul, and not just like yes. go to a therapist, take medication that may be needed particularly in extreme situations or if someone does have like a biological, you know, maybe connection to whatever disorder they have, but that still can be paired with like the holistic coaching and medicine as well too. And not just like, just take the medication because I've been there too. And it, it's never been helpful at all. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to share a little bit more about like the teachers you've been working with or the work you've been doing and Anything that is, you know, more about your strategies or how you have seen them maybe grow and change and transform? Yeah, absolutely. So um, whenever you were talking, it made me think about how, you know, we are cracking out or cracking open and, and getting that, allowing things to come out and getting so far in that you're peeling back layers that maybe you didn't even realize that you had within. And um, I also thought when you were describing the how for you and your coaching, that is one thing that for me, a teacher attracted me, Jing, because it was like, what you're gonna give me a strategy? Oh, sure. Like I can, I can do a strategy um, instead of just sitting there talking about everything. I remember going into therapy thinking, you know, time after time, okay, what am I even gonna talk about today? But with coaching, um, from a coach's perspective, a teacher's perspective, and someone who's been coached, I love that we do things. We are taking action. It is the how to release whatever stuff is going on underneath the surface. Um, some of the things that have been really powerful for my clients have been really thinking about some of the things that are coming up for them 
how they're serving them, how they're not serving them, serving them, why they showed up in the first place, why these mm -hmm. things, these, we call them gremlins, why the gremlins showed up in the first place. Um, and raising the awareness of the purpose of that can be helpful because whenever that gremlin appears, because it will, the client, and I still do this for myself, when my gremlins appear, I can say, oh, like, I recognize why you're here. I don't actually need you right now. So thank you. I'm going to do, I'm going to handle this in a different way. Um, we do a lot of, as you were talking about mind, body, spirit connection, we do a lot with that, but also I am integrating more creativity because being an art teacher, that's my jam. But, um, yeah, so we are doing a lot with calming the mind, releasing emotions, being creative and getting into that flow so that you are mindful and paying more attention to your present moment. Um, one of my favorite things to do, and I do this with my daughter as well, she's 10, and she's dealt with anxiety. Um, we do EFT tapping, though, whenever, and I do this with my clients, I do this with myself, and like I said, my daughter, an example of doing this with my daughter is uh, at nighttime, sometimes she gets worked up, so we will go through and tap, sometimes with words, sometimes without, um, but it helps to move that energy to where it can be released and she can relax. One of my clients um, not too long ago said she will tap while she's in the shower just because the water, the warm water feels so relaxing and cleansing and tapping just gives her that other level of relaxation. Yes, um, we do quite a bit with meditation and visualization and I don't want people to think meditation oh you're like really like I don't even know like oh, oh I don't know what people think of meditation but I know what I thought of meditation whenever I first started hearing about it and it is not you know for meditation for me it's like get, it's really getting into a place where you are fully present with yourself and still and quiet and sometimes that can be guided and sometimes it's not um, whenever I first learned of meditation way before coaching I just imagined someone sitting cross-legged with their hands you know their finger and sitting still and that I need to find that quiet time during my day to help me recharge and keep going and there are times during my school day where mm -hmm. I start my day even if i'm feeling a little off off kilter when i arrive to school i take some time and i'm quiet i write i get my thoughts out um, i do some meditation before school before the kids come sometimes during lunch and sometimes even on my prep just to recenter myself and my schoolwork can wait until i am in a good place because if i'm not i'm not going to be able to focus yeah. And be productive. So, yeah. I like that you said that schoolwork can wait. So yeah. thinking of that right now, I have like 
all these um, outlines for this research paper that we're doing for my 11th grade class that they were due the week before break. And I'm like, I I'm going to get to it. I got some time. And you know what? If we get back next week and I'm like, I had a break. I took the break. Like I didn't assign you work to do over break. So I did not assign myself. So I'm going to grade these during my prep the first week back yes. and you'll get them at the end of the week. And guess what? When you're transparent with kids, they're going to be like, cool, we got it. Sometimes they're like, yes. no, no, take your time. I don't need to see that grade. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, they're like, yes. they're like, take whenever I have like a hard test. Like I only really give tests for my AP psychology. They're like, take your time. No worries. If they knew that was a challenging one, they're like, we don't need to see that right now. Especially like coming back from a holiday break. They're like, I want to stay in my good mood. Please don't. Um, <laughs> and we could talk about that and grades and a whole nother conversation, but you don't have to check everything off your list unless it's like, you have to do it. Like it's something, a deadline to do right. that day and you can get to it. And every free period you have, you don't have to make every single minute be about, I got to do a lesson plan or I got to do grading or I got to do this and that. Like if you're like in your body feeling overwhelmed and it's the middle of the work day and you're like, I just, I just can't right now. Don't force through it. Cause that's how you get sick. You have to just be like, you know what? This 40 minutes, I'm going to do some meditation. I'm going to do some journaling, or I'm literally just sit and just be quiet and just kind of do that until I feel like centered again. And then maybe I go back to something because I have found in education teachers, and I get it because we, we really don't want to take work home and many do, especially if you have families, we will little go to work at 7.30, 7.45, whenever your day starts, then it ends at like 3.30, 3.45 and work like straight through almost sometimes through lunch, because if you have like a club or a meeting or you're catching up on stuff. And so nine hours of straight work. And then you're like, well, I don't have to bring anything home, but then you go home and you collapse. And like, it is just not sustainable. And so you, things that have to get done. Yeah, sure. Check it off, do it. You know, we don't want to get lazy and procrastinate on everything, but you ultimately can set your own agenda of what you're assigning when to grade it, when to give it back, be transparent with your students. Like I always tell them when it's like a big assignment, it's going to take about two weeks. And then sometimes it might come back a little bit earlier. Or if it's the big research paper we do, it's like a 10 page research paper. I'm like, give me a month. And then I usually get it back in like three weeks. And they're like, oh, you, you did, you got it back early. I'm like, yes, I give you a, a big long runway of that. But yeah, I mean, you got to take care of yourself no matter what. I was even telling my students before break, I'm like, you need to take a mental health day, do it. Like reach out, mm -hmm. we'll catch you up. If you're feeling like you are just worn out, especially like a lot of my seniors and they take a lot of AP classes. I'm like, just, you need to take care of yourself. And mm -hmm. I think we're living in a time right now where that has to be a priority. Um, I don't think we can go back to workaholic mode because it's just like, you have people who are broken you have people who the mental health, you know, is more disorders are coming out and like people are just really struggling. And so it's like, we have to prioritize mm -hmm. this and coaching can really be helpful to pair it with your profession. So if you're in something you want to stay in, or if you're like, this is good for now until I have a game plan for later, do this as a support and it can really make yes. a difference in your day to day. One of my bigger dreams 
and I'm working on this right now is to teach teachers how to do what I'm doing. Yeah, maybe they can offer professional development during their school in services or after school, maybe they want to transition into something like this, set themselves up for um, another career. I think yeah. coaching goes hand in hand with so many aspects of teaching. We are guiding and coaching and um, coaching is very personalized, which mm -hmm. is what we do as <laughs> teachers. We personalize the learning experience and um, yeah, I, it is, it is fun and fulfilling, not only me saying this as a, a coach, but having been coached, I, mm. I would go back and do it all again, as painful as it was to face my emotions and share. I, I also, um, while I was going through the coaching program and working through my stuff, I wrote about it and mm -hmm. I blogged publicly about some of my experiences, which took me to another level of being humble and vulnerable, got some courage uh, that I didn't think I had sharing, sharing parts of my story that hidden away. Yeah. That's what makes a, a great coach too. Cause it's just like, not everyone could be a teacher, even though everyone's like, Oh, if you can't do something, just teach. I'm like, no, not everyone could be a no. teacher. Not everyone could be a coach because I think you got to do the work on yourself before you can go and coach other people because people can read through phoniness or like, you're just trying to like be a salesperson. Right. And that's why it took me a while to kind of come to, I was meeting all these different coaches through the summer and just more through networking. I wasn't outwardly like going out to look for one. I just was like learning more about the coaching field and there's different types of coaches. There's ones more for, I'm just going to help you set up a business. Right. Or I'm going to help you be a leader or there's, there's more of like a support with like your mental and physical health. And then when I met Casey and had her on the show, I was like, I really like the way she has her program. And then I had a really difficult fall. Just again, falls always a lot for teachers. And I just felt very overwhelmed. I was not taking good care of myself. And I was like, this is the time. It was just like, it had to just yeah. be like, I like what she's doing. I know what I need. It's a good support and it's been a great support. Um, and you know, you have, yeah, you have to go through the process yourself so that you're credible, you're authentic when you're talking to your, you know, clients, you have experiences to share and they feel more comfortable opening up and sharing. Cause they're like, here's a person who's gone through it and they know what it feels like. Cause it, like you said, when you first crack open and it's all coming out it feels like crap, you know? Yes. And you're like, I yeah. can't stay in this. But I think most adults like probably have a lot of things buried down, down deep and they're not ready to have that come out or crack it open because then you have to go on with your daily life and do all the things you have to do. And how are you going to do that with handling that emotion where coaching gives you those tools? Like here are actual yes. things to do that will help you through your day to day and mm -hmm. like meditation and journaling. I do it every single day now. And that's come out of like working with a coach and I did like it here and there, but the idea is consistency. Like if you're doing it every morning or whatever 
part of your day you carve out for it, it's the consistency and the routine that really helps your mindset and not just like, oh, I feel like doing it now, you know? Right. And the coach holds you accountable. So a coach is like, yes. we'll be like checking in with you and like, what did you, and be honest, like loving, but honest about, okay, this is what you really need to work on. Or this is what I'm hearing you say. Sounds like you're maybe skirting around an issue or not fully committing to this kind of homework assignment I gave you. And like, just like a teacher can teach a student, but it's up to them. It's up to you. It, here's all the tools. Here's my guidance. But then you have to do the work just like students have to do the work too. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And if they're not ready, they yeah. won't do the work. They won't do it. No, you have to be ready. You have to know and be honest with yourself that this yes. is something I need right now. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your journey, your education journey, your transformation journey, the work you're doing as a coach. I will add all your information in the show notes, but if you want to um, tell our listeners where they can find you and a little bit about your, maybe your website and program. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find me at thejourneytohere.net. That is my website. It is going to be going under some construction here pretty soon, but you can find me there. <clears throat> Excuse me. I also can be found on LinkedIn um, and Facebook. I have a Facebook group called Educators Meant for More, Discover mm. Your Purpose and Live a Balanced Life. So in those two places, LinkedIn and there, I support teachers. Um, and I also am on Instagram, jessica.journeytohere. Um, not quite as active there, but if you want to connect with me, any of those places would be wonderful. So much. And I will add your contact information in the show notes. And really for teachers out there, if you're feeling, I just need a little support, you know, I need some tools, I need some strategies, uh, Jessica definitely will be able to help you. And as you listen to her journey today, she's she's been through that herself. So she is coming from a real, mm -hmm. you know, honest place. And um, I think that the work you're doing is awesome while you're still teaching too. So you are a rock star. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was a delight. Well, have a great day. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Teacher's Story. If you like this story, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also follow this podcast on YouTube and subscribe and leave a comment. All reviews help this podcast keep going and elevating teacher voices. Mm -hmm.